0: Alright. The chief cornerstone. The chief cornerstone. Guess? Okay. Well, it might be a little difficult for you to guess, but guess where I started. Where did I put my first piece? Anyone want to venture a guess? Where do you think I put my first piece? My guess is on the corner that's towards us. Okay. Alright. Alright. This this blue piece that blue piece is where i started that's the chief cornerstone and the rest of this little structure i went exactly from there and that set tells me two things that tells me the square of the building and now i and fortunately i have dots here to go by and so i can keep it square and so i started from there and And I started building from there. And every time I went to another layer, I went to the second layer. Where did I go? Where do you think I started? I started in that same corner. I didn't have to, but that's where I started. But the beginning, the chief cornerstone is right in that corner. And so everything else is symmetrical with that. And that gives direction of where the wall goes. Okay? All four ways, all four walls. That's why it's the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the chief cornerstone of the church, of the building of the church. And that means that's the most important one. It tells us what the dimensions are going to be. It tells us if it's going to be square or not. It gives us the level. It gives the direction to the rest of the building. And obviously there's not going to be much use for this. But I just wanted you to see the importance, the importance of that cornerstone. And when I look at the church, the important building block, the foundation, that chief cornerstone. And then in verse 21, I like this phrase, "We are in whom all the building, What? What? What did all of this come from? Fitly framed together. In other words, it depended on that cornerstone. And it's everybody... Now, obviously this is not waterproof, but it's interesting... Going back to the manufacturing of these blocks, it is interesting that these blocks are the most um, the most square. Their shapes. They're, that is one of the things that this company, is Lego company, that builds these little building blocks. They are exacting in their making these blocks, so they fit together okay and those little holes that you see in the bottom are exact and they fit right in between the rows of buttons that are on top of the block okay and they fit together they stick together and so it's it's very secure and so that's what the phrase means here fitly Frame together. God chisels us. God forms us. And we work together. We become a building. So when you see a building, you don't look at one row of siding. And that's the building. Okay? The building is not judged just by the one row of siding. But the building is judged by many things. But it begins at the foundation. And so, when you think of Christ building the church, and I become part of that structure, and century after century after the church began, you have those different colors and blocks in the building. And all of you are different. But yet God made us that we can fit together and even in a geographical setting when i when i think of the face of this congregation and i know i've said it before but this is a passion of my heart when i i did some i did some serious thinking this week i had a lot of time to think and one of the things that i was thinking about even the face of this congregation how it has changed in the last 50 years. It has changed a lot. There's very, very, and I think I mentioned this before, very, very few of you here that were here 50 years ago. It has changed a lot. And so, but you know, God still, God still wants us, whether you're a blue or a yellow or a red or a white, you're a part of this building. Young people, as you grow up, God continues to work in you and shape you and mold you so that you can become an intricate part of this building. Every last building block is necessary for this foundation to stand. Now, what are you doing? What is your part and what are you doing to see that the foundation is not eroded? You see, this building, this Where do I start if I simply want to take this apart? Where do I start? Start at the top, right? And I start taking one piece off at a time and eventually I can I can just simply take this fits together well, but I can keep tearing this apart and I can destroy this whole thing. see, See how much one part depends on the other one. We help and support. We are fitly joined together. So when one piece is taken off, it affects the piece that is below it. You notice how I took one piece off of this corner and it pulled another one off? God wants us to be so intricately knit together, builded together, that we become a household become a building that is not only good to look at but is structurally safe it is sound it's a sound building and we continue to add and these children as they're growing as they're as they're coming to the age when they also want to become a part of the church that it's a safe place For them to be builded on. We want that to happen. We must make that happen here. And what is the church going to be like? If the Lord tarries for another 50 years, I won't be here. Church is not dependent on me. It's dependent on you. You understand what I'm saying? The church here, even this local church is dependent on you. It's dependent on all of us. Now I'd like for you to follow me to Matthew chapter 16. And this passage that I like to look at has taken on a whole new meaning to me just in the last several months, within the last several months. I'd like to share some of those things with you. We're talking about the building of the church. What What is my part in this? Matthew 16, beginning at verse 13. Very familiar passage, an account here. When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? And they said, Some say that I are John the Baptist, some Elias, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon bar for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Now this setting took on a whole new meaning to me several months ago when we were in Israel. And our guide took us into this place where Jesus gave this discourse to his disciples, probably mostly his disciples that were there. This area is north of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus' teaching surrounded probably the one fourth northern part of the Sea of Galilee, and that's where he circulated. But this is an area where the Jews did not go very often. This was a pagan area. And this was probably about 20 to 22 miles north of the northern tip of the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus takes his disciples up into this area and he takes them into, and if I can recall, and I know probably Daryl and Ruth, you're going to remember a number of these things too, but, he, but our guide took us up into this area where, where Jesus took his disciples where they really were not supposed to go because it was a very heathen area. It was right at the base of the Mount Herm, of Mount Hermon. It was a very pagan area. And, and it was an area where the God Pan was very prevalent. It was a Greek god, and uh, a very, very it was an extremely unholy place. You almost get to shivers when I remember feeling some of that when we stood there, and our guide explained to us. Really, what went on in that area, and uh, the amount of, of sacrifices and the kinds of sacrifices? The God Pan, actually, have you ever seen the picture of the God Pan, who is part goat and part man? And I don't know if you've ever seen that picture or not. But anyway, a very very pagan area. The Greeks exploited this this, and and just this area and in that area there was a a, a deep pool of rock, uh of water in fact okay i'm i have to condense this a bit but it, it it's the kind of place that is is uh, in a bad way it's very expri- uh, uh, i don't know it really grips you when you see this and and it's a very pagan area it's a very idolatrous area there were in, the, in years past, in Jesus' day, there were probably uh, some temples there to this pagan god. And with all the background of this immorality and so on that would go on there. And uh, possibly even human sacrifices. And so Jesus takes his disciples up to there. And then he probably was standing at a position where they could look past Him and see all these altars that were were placed there and these different gods that were set up there. And now amidst all these gods, Jesus is asking them, whom do men say that I am? And this is possibly two and a half years after Jesus started His ministry. So not too many months hence was the time when He would be taken and and killed. And so He's asking them, whom do men say that I am? And so to me, that took on some more significance there. And uh, so they kind of, kind of gave him a few ideas of what people were saying. But then he brought it close to them and he said, to whom do you say that I am? And then Peter makes this remarkable um, declaration and where he says, Thou art the Christ... The Son of the living God. Now remember, this was in one of the most pagan settings in that area. And so, Peter declared clearly, he said, You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And then Jesus' response, and he's saying, Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But he said, To to you I say, you are Peter. What does the name Peter mean? The name Peter means rock. So he says, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, how did he point at Peter and say, I'm going to build a church on you? Likely not. And it's interesting, if I remember right, there are, right in that area, there are boulders, there are rocks of all kinds. And so it's possible that he said, Peter, you are a little rock. But he might have pointed, I don't know if he pointed to some of these huge boulders around there, but what he was doing was making a contrast. He's saying, you're Peter, you are a little rock, but upon this rock, possibly he picked out a huge boulder. He said, a rock like this is where I'm going to build my church. And I'm building it in a way that even if he might have flung his hands, I don't know, Maybe i have too much of an imagination, but I almost think that Jesus might have flung his hands and he said, even the gates of hell, this huge opening, a cave-like opening that was was over this this pool of water that that came forth uh, brought forth water and it just it would different seasons of the year anyhow it would just be rushing through and fed into the Jordan River <clears throat> but This was called the gates of hell. Because when they worshipped the god Pan, they would beg the demons, the demons to come forth and bless them with good crops in the spring and that kind of thing. And so it was like the gates of hell. And so it could easily be that Jesus might have flung His hand and swept it over that area and said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We can make applications today. Listen, that foundation that Jesus laid, He is the chief cornerstone. That church, that structure that Jesus is building will never, never, never in this lifetime or eternity in eternity will never be destroyed. There will always be the church of Jesus Christ. I believe that firmly. And so God looks at us and He says, you, you, all of you. He looks at us as people and says, you are a part of this church. You are a part of this building. And I place you into this this, this building of the church, I want you to be there. I need all of you. And this church is still being built. We give up when we play with Legos. There's a limit to what we can do. But when Jesus said, I will build My church, and it's even like the gates of hell, all that Satan can throw against the work that God has started and is continuing to build, Satan in all his power that he has, all the demons that are at his disposals in this world today will not, will never destroy God's work. We may fail. We may renege on our responsibilities. We are called to be a part of this church. We are called to be building... We are called to bring others into this structure, to keep building and see this church continuing to grow. The church is built, can be built through our families. But God also builds the church by bringing others in that may not be a part of our families. I don't know what more to say about that. We haven't done very well, have we, about bringing others in. But I would say this. I believe, I firmly believe, that God never expects us, never expects us to compromise principles when it comes to building the church in order to bring numbers in. That's actually working against the church. And I'm saying we probably could do a whole lot more. But when I look, when I look at the, at the church, one of the things that is so important, let me just show you again. One of the things that is so important that we never get to the place where we feel like this part of the building, and I'm talking about our church here, this part of the building is not important. It's not that necessary. We don't need that part. And we allow that to affect the structure. We allow that to affect the building. And so we allow... Maybe these can be like principles and we just allow those things to tear tear down this structure. Doesn't make that much difference. But you know any time that any time that we allow one piece one piece to be removed, it weakens the whole structure, you say. Nah, it won't that make that much difference. Taking one thing, one piece off here. But every time you take a piece off, and especially when it comes to the building of the church, you remove one piece. You're destroying the integrity of the building. And then my question is what are we doing? Keep this building intact. That not one piece, not one piece is missing. I'd like to have you follow along as I go back to the book of Ephesians again. Going back to Ephesians 2, we're going to start reading in verse at verse 10 and in the early part of the chapter here he talks about well, if you notice verse verses the last several verses of chapter 1 it's it's just so difficult for me to break into this whole chapter here i mean this whole setting here without picking up on a few verses prior to chapter 2 he had put all things under his feet verse 22 of chapter 1 gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Christ is the head, Christ is the foundation. Which is the church, which is his body. So does that mean? So does that mean when these building blocks, when we, when these are taken apart and we start tearing them apart, does that mean like, does that mean like we're tearing the body of Christ apart? Is that what it means? It's the body. The church is His body. The fullness of Him that filleth all in all. We're going to drop down to verse 10 of chapter 2 then. Verse 10, uh, pardon me, verse 10 of chapter 2. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called in circumcision by that which is called a circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in this in the world. But Now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for He is our peace, who hath made, this is Jews and Gentiles now, and made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall, a partition between us, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, for to make Himself in Himself of twain one new man, so making peace and that He might reconcile... There's some, some very, very important and strong words here. That He might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them which were nigh. For through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore... Here is the conclusion. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building Fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom also you're builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Quickly yet, I'd like to just pick up on a few things that are mentioned here. First of all, in verse 10, we are His workmanship. You know what? Whenever you build something, how that structure works says a lot about the builder. Okay? And that's why in construction work you're very, very careful and precise in your building. And it's, that says something about the character of the builder itself. It says something about your character. And so when Christ builds the church, he uses humanity, he uses weak, he uses weaklings and transforms them, makes them strong, and He puts us into this structure. And it's not that it draws attention to us, but it draws attention to the workmen. Because God takes that which seems so unlikely to be fitted into this structure, and He places us in that structure and you see, well, I don't know. Maybe depending what color you like, maybe your 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 eyes are drawn to a certain color that you like. So maybe I should have just picked up all blue ones or all white ones. It seems like I had a whole lot more white than I had any other color. Yeah, okay. So, but you know, it's not... The block. Yes, it's important. We are important. We're part of this structure. We interlock. We support. We encourage one another. We are a part of that whole supporting part of the structure. Yet at the same time, the way this building is put together, it draws attention to the workmen. And I suppose that looking at the way I put this together, you could say the workman was kind of random. God doesn't work that way. But He fits us together and makes us one beautiful structure. Now the structure, again, I say to you, it draws attention to the workman. Christ builds the church. We are the product of His workmanship. We do His work. God works through us. And we continue to do our part in the building, which is the church. That's verse 10. From verses 11-17, through 17, the emphasis in these verses are the reconciliation... That's the focus. Reconciliation is the focus. Reconciliation in two ways. First of all, we are reconciled to God. And then God integrates us into this structure. I hope, I hope you understand where I'm going with this. And so it's that reconciliation. We did not belong, but God changes us by His workmanship and then makes us suitable to be a part of that structure. We are a part of that building. We are a part of the church. And so God shapes us. And He works us. He reconciles us and makes us. what We, we, we are reconciled to the builder. We allow Him to work in our lives to change us in any way that He sees fit. Not only are we reconciled to Him and we belong to Him, Part of this structure, but he also reconciles us with others, like he's talking, here he's talking about the Jews and Gentiles alike, where there was animosity for centuries. Now that animosity is taken away, they're all part of the building, whether they are, whether the Jews are the red, and whether the Gentiles are the white, whatever it is, it is one structure now. The focus is on the structure, And the builder, because He reconciles us and blends us together, makes us one beautiful edifice. Reconciliation. He makes peace. Where we might not have wanted to be a part of that building at one time. And yet, when God gets a hold of us and changes us, and he makes us a part of the church. Then there is peace. The enmity is gone. We are unified. We are struck. We are a structure. And in some ways we lose our identity. Now maybe we don't like that. But when you become a part of the church, the focus is on the structure, the building. The focus is not on you. You understand what I'm saying there? The focus is on the structure. We are the building. We are a part of that building. And so it's not the focus on one building block. It's the focus on the structure, on that perfect foundation. And then verses 18-18. And 19. We are citizens. We belong. You know, we have citizenship rights. After that, we have been placed into this structure. There is reconciliation. We have been pulled together and peace has been made. Now we are citizens. We belong. We are a part of that structure. God fits us there. And he may have to chisel some things and hew us and shape us into a suitable niche into that structure, that building. Remember how these pieces also intricately fit together. And that's what makes it, I don't know, these Legos are special. They're known all over the world. Okay? They're known for how intricately they are made and how tightly they fit together. Probably not waterproof. I wouldn't recommend that to try to build a structure with Legos and consider it to be waterproof or anything like that. But it's fitly joined together. And so God takes Jews. He takes Gentiles. He takes the unlikely and makes us likely. Citizens. Now we belong. We have citizenship rights. We are a part of that structure. We are not strangers and foreigners. We belong. We are a part of that structure. Because it's God's work. Now we have hope. Now we have a future. There is peace. There is unity. There is reconciliation. There is access. There is citizenship to all of these blessings and benefits that come from being a part of the church of Jesus Christ. And I wonder sometimes how seriously we take that, that privilege. We are built. We are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. God used the prophets... To establish firmly some principles even in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, now he used used the apostles to begin to form this structure and this building, this edifice that God had in mind from the beginning and even before the beginning. Now, how do I fit into this building? I guess we shouldn't worry about whether we're a yellow, or a white block, or blue. I think we, um, uh, we do so much, I think we do so much sometimes. If I can just bare my heart a little bit yet. I think we do so much sometimes to be visible. I don't have to fit in. I just kinda of do my own I want to i want to go my own way. Yes, I want to be a part of the church, but I wanna I wanna kinda of go my own way. I want to make my own path. And I want people to see that I'm a red block or a yellow block or a white block or what I don't know, I think I even have found some black ones that I put in there. But I want to be we, we don't like the feeling. We don't like the feeling of being so close to someone else. <laughs> I hope I'm clear on what I'm thinking here. We don't like the feeling of being so close to someone else that their influence affects me. I want to be my own person. I'd rather just... But you know, when God calls us to be a part of a structure that is called the church, and then God calls us to be a part of the structure, not an island to ourselves. We are called to, to be there, to benefit, we support, we encourage. We are there to support others. There is this interlocking where we support each other and encourage each other. Young people, we need you. We need your enthusiasm to get things done. But then, can you listen to a few of the elders that kind of like to channel that energy and take it in the right direction? As we get older, we lose sometimes... I, I'm talking about myself. I, I lose the enthusiasm. What's let it happen? Well, when I see some things that, that 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 start where I sometimes I think maybe some of the things that that are happening, it takes us kind of in the wrong direction. I'm the old one, one of the older ones. and it's just that I'm always harking back to what was fifty years ago. You know what I'm saying? No, maybe you don't understand that. You're not there yet. Only a few of us are there. And so it's, why can't it be like it was 30, 40, 50 years ago? And there are some things that are going to change, I'll grant you. Well, listen, when we start taking that foundation apart, we start eroding that. That we're hindering the structure, the building of the structure. Change in some ways is good. Change sometimes is not. Whatever we do, I hope, I would hope, that at Northwoods Mennonite Church, that we never, never, never start attacking the foundation. Applications may change, but you start. You t- you just. Take, you throw the applications out. What do you have left? Then you have the principle as an ex that is attacked. Alright, enough said. God wants to build his church and he uses us. And he's depending on us to keep that foundation secure. Keep building, building, building. A beautiful edifice that glorifies the maker. Would you kneel to pray, please?